Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. There is a heartwarming story found in the Gospel of John about a weary woman, burdened down with guilt and hopelessness, who came on an ordinary day in her life to a well to get water. But on this particular day, she got more than just the usual H2O. She received in her soul a well of refreshing and satisfying water that would be an endless supply. She met the one who had living water, the Savior who met her deepest need. But it didn't stop there. The joy in her soul could not be contained, and she told everyone she knew about the Savior of the world that she had come to know, and what a Savior he is. This is the Savior that we want you to know. We want you to be able to say the same thing. Come see a man who told me all things I've ever done. Is this not the Christ, the Savior? We hope that you take the time now to hear this wonderful story told by Speaker Stephen Harper, and that you will also come away rejoicing just as this dear woman did. My reading today is from John's Gospel, chapter 4, and I want to focus on just part of a verse. It's verse number 42. We will consider the context just in a moment or two. Suffice to say that the verse reads like this, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Saviour of the world. The Saviour of the world. In a few months' time, it will be 20 years since my wife and I and our son first went to the lovely little Central African country of Malawi to preach the gospel to the people there. That first visit began a love affair with the country and with its people, which has only deepened as the years have gone on until the present. The passage that we've read from today is very precious to me as I recall those early days in Malawi. After a few months language study, I attempted my first sermon in the Chichewa language and I recall that the passage that I used was this one that we've read from John chapter 4. I don't remember everything that was in that message, but I do remember the climax which still resonates with me. That is the testimony of the men of the city of Sychar who say, Sopano siti kulupulira chifukwa chao kulankula kwako, pakuti tamva toka ndipo tidziwa kutimpulumutsi wa dzikulapansi ndiyeyu nditu. Which translates literally into English as something like, Now we don't believe because of your speaking, because we have heard ourselves and we know that the Saviour of the world is this one indeed. What a wonderful man the woman of Syker met. What a bright testimony she gave, and what a wonderful response from the men of the city who came with this news. We know that this one is the saviour of the world. It gives me great joy to tell poor souls in Malawi about the saviour of the world. It gives me just as much pleasure and joy to tell you too, the Lord Jesus Christ is the saviour of the world. And more than that, he could be your saviour 
2. The Lord Jesus was making the return journey from Judea to Galilee, an arduous walk of about three days, travelling through the Samaritan hills. There was tension between the Jews and the Samaritans to the extent that Jews would normally take a much longer indirect route rather than mix with people, the Samaritan people, whom they considered to be beneath them, ethnic and religious mongrels. On arriving at this landmark well, the Lord Jesus evidently dismissed his disciples to go into the town to buy food. And while he was resting on the well, a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Evidently, in the course of the narrative, the two were alone. And I've tried to imagine how the events unfolded. In my mind's eye, I see the woman busying herself at the well, trying to avoid encroaching into each other's personal space, casting furtive glances at this stranger, trying to avoid eye contact at all cost. But the weary stranger, the Lord Jesus, he breaks the silence by asking the woman to help him with a drink. And she replies by expressing her great surprise that he would do so, she being a Samaritan and he being a Jew. There are many lessons in this beautiful story, and I want to just lift three things. I want to think about the fact that he is the saviour of the world. The world needs a saviour. If you look around the world today, you see the chaos, and you know that the world needs a saviour. The world is in turmoil. We think about the last couple of years that we've gone through, and how there is so much dissent, how there has been so much unrest, there has been so much deception and uncertainty, how there has been so much violence in many parts of the world. We see the chaos, and we know the world needs a saviour. But if, as we look around, we see the chaos, if we look within, we see the cause. And the Bible tells us that there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the reason the world needs a saviour is because the world is made up of people just like you and me. And we are actually part of the problem. We are the cause. But as I thought about the fact that the world needs a saviour, I enjoyed this beautiful fact that the world has a saviour. In this story, I want you to notice that the saviour of the world, first of all, he covered the ground. We could have thought about the fact that John tells us that he must needs go through Samaria. We've already alluded to the fact that this was not the normal route that a Jew would have taken to go from Judea to Galilee. Normally, a Jew would have taken a much more roundabout route and avoided going through the Samaritan territory. But the Lord Jesus had this compelling desire to go through Samaria. And as the story unfolds, it becomes very, very clear that John intends for us to see and to understand that the reason that the Lord Jesus must go through Samaria is because he had an appointment with this woman. Though she didn't know about the appointment, he knew about the appointment. He knew that he must see her. He knew that he must meet her. He knew that he would meet her. And the Lord Jesus, he covers the ground. He goes the distance in order to meet the woman at Sychar's well. We're reminded as we think about him as the saviour of the world, of the great distance that he came. This is indeed a metaphor of the great distance that the Lord Jesus came, of the ground that he covered and coming from heaven itself to earth, where we were in our need, coming 
all that way, coming all that distance in order to rescue us from our problem, from our guilt, from our sin. The Lord Jesus, he truly did cover the ground. But not only did he cover the ground, he bridged the gap. And as we think about the Lord Jesus sitting there upon the well, in my mind's eye, as I thought of the woman and the distance, the social distance, the religious distance, all of the many barriers that existed between a Jewish man and a Samaritan woman, you see how that the Lord Jesus, he, if you like, presents himself as a weary traveler, coming to identify with this woman in her weariness and in her thirst. He comes and he bridges the gap by opening the conversation and asking the woman for a drink of water. This reminds me that the Lord Jesus, he has bridged the gap. And in his incarnation, in becoming a man, God with us, the great mystery of godliness, that God was manifest in flesh. He became one of us. He became human, lower than angels, the hymn writer has said, to die in our stead. This reminds us of the beautiful truth that Christians rejoice in, that he is truly able to sympathize with us as our great high priest. He understands the problems and the difficulties of being human. He has felt our weakness as a human being. But the Lord Jesus Christ did not merely come to sympathize, but the scripture is very clear that he came to be a sacrifice. Not merely to come and feel the pain, but to come and deal with the cause of the pain and to remove the pain. He came not only to experience the problems and difficulties associated with the debt of sin, but he came to pay that debt, to settle it once and for all. The Lord Jesus did that in his sacrifice, the sacrifice of himself at the cross of Calvary. And so we, we think about the one who, in coming into the world, has become the saviour of the world. In going to the cross, in dying there, a sacrificial death has become the saviour of the world. And he's offered to you in the gospel today. He could be your saviour too. But I want to think about the woman and think about the secrets of her weary past. Now John is discreet enough in his narrative not to divulge unnecessary detail, but there is enough in the narrative to indicate that this woman truly had a troubled past. When the Lord Jesus asks her to call her husband, she says, I don't have a husband. It's hard to know just exactly the tone with which she responded. Some suggest perhaps she responded indignantly and insolently, but I detect rather that she spoke with some weight and weariness in her voice as she recalled her troubled past. Had she suffered five bereavements because the Lord Jesus said, you've answered correctly because you've had five husbands. And indeed, the man that you're living with just now is not your husband. And that you said correctly. Are we to deduce from that that she had been so sad and unfortunate as to have experienced five bereavements in her past? It's not very likely, is it? Are we to deduce that she was a woman of loose morals, that she had gone in and out of marriage thoughtlessly and carelessly and perhaps through her own 
immorality she had brought this trouble upon herself. Are we to conclude that? Well, possibly. Possibly she was a woman of loose morals, but John doesn't actually tell us that. But perhaps she was like so many in the world today, a poor, exploited soul. Perhaps she was as so many in the world today, one who had been abused by those around her, one who had been lifted and laid, one who had been set aside by those who had at once offered kindness and love and care to her, and she's full of disappointment, and that leads to a spiral of self-destructive behaviour. I think possibly, and perhaps probably, that's the reason for her present condition. Reminds me of many dear women that we know of in Malawi today, in the refugee camp there at Zaleka. And you might be judgmental against them when you hear that they stoop to prostitution in order to survive. And they lead immoral lives just to try and keep body and soul together. But then you listen to their stories and you hear about women whose husbands have been murdered before their eyes and perhaps their children and their mothers and their fathers. And they're driven in desperation. The world and its cruelty and sin have reduced them to doing desperate things in order just to survive. And I wonder whether or not this poor woman hadn't been reduced to doing desperate things in order just to survive. Whatever the cause of her sadness and her despondency, whatever the cause of her grief, whatever the reason for her troubled past, it's beautiful to think that the Lord Jesus speaks to her about a glorious future. In fact, in this passage that we've read together, the Lord Jesus speaks about the fact that the Father is seeking worshippers. He wants those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. And it's inconceivable that the Lord Jesus was speaking in these terms to the woman without extending to her the possibility, the real glad hope that she could be part of a glorious future, serving and worshipping the great God of eternity. The Father is seeking true worshippers. And the truth of the matter is, and I think this is what John wants us to understand in the story, that this woman had been sought by the Lord. And she was offered the prospect of this bright, this glorious future, notwithstanding the troubled past, notwithstanding the disappointment, the degradation, notwithstanding the failure. But there is hope. And for every soul who puts their trust in Christ, there is the glad and wonderful possibility of a glorious future with him. But of course, if this woman had a troubled past, and if the Lord Jesus speaks to her about a glorious future, the possibility of being part of that redeemed and sanctified band of worshippers, those who worship the Father in spirit and in truth, all of this hinges upon her response in the present. And the same is true of you. Whatever the past, the future holds out for you that bright, that glorious prospect, but it all depends upon your response to the message and more particularly your response to the person of the message, your response to Christ in the present. This woman, as she listened to the Lord Jesus and as he put 
his finger right upon the problem. She leaves her water pot. And then the haste of her joy, having met a man who knew everything about her, was able to tell her about her whole sordid and troubled and disappointing past, and yet still loved her and still offered her the prospect of a a bright and glorious future. In her haste, she leaves her water pot and she goes into the city and she says, Come and see a man who told me everything that I ever did. Isn't this the Christ? Isn't this the Messiah? Isn't he truly the Saviour? And then we read the testimony of those men who came and having met the Lord Jesus Christ themselves, having listened to him, having heard his words of grace and truth, they say to the woman, we believe, but we're not believing because of what you told us, but we've heard him ourselves. And we know that this man truly is the Christ the saviour of the world. There's one thing else that I want to say before I finish my message, and that is about this great offer that the Lord Jesus gave the woman. Had we read together in uh, verse number 13, Jesus answers and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of living water springing up into everlasting life. The Lord Jesus offers her a gift. He says, if you knew the gift of God and who was speaking to you, you would have asked of me and I would give you living water. The Lord Jesus offers a gift. What he offers is free. Romans chapter 6 verse 23 tells us the wages of sin is death, not just physical death, but spiritual death. And the second death, the wages of sin is death, but the gift, the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He offers her a gift. He offers her a gift of living water. What he offers her is real. It's living. It's alive. It's real. And it's satisfying. It's a draft of thirst-quenching water. It's free. It's real. It's satisfying. It's present. He said, the water that I will give him will be in him. It will be within. It will be ever-present. And said he, It will be springing up into everlasting life. An endless supply of the refreshing, satisfying, thirst-quenching water of life that is eternal life in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. That's my message for today. I trust that as you think about it, as you consider the emptiness of your life without Christ, as you think about the bleakness of a future without Christ, that you will consider this wonderful thought that the Lord Jesus Christ, he covered the distance 
and he bridged the gap. He came to where you and I are in our need, and more than that, he went to the cross, shed his own precious blood. He has died and risen again to bring eternal life to you and me. Put your trust in him, and may the Saviour of the world become your Saviour too. After hearing our message on the woman at the well today, there is just one question we would like to ask you. Do you have this living water? Are your sins forgiven? Has there been a time in your life when you met the Savior, personally, and now love to tell others about Him? We hope so. If not, think about what Christ is offering you today. Think about His suffering on the cross of Calvary to save sinners. Don't pass him by today. Receive him as your Savior, won't you? If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you would like some literature that would help you understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at anchorpointradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by Believers in Christ who are meeting at various gospel halls Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday, as well as other meetings such as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. If you've been challenged by today's message and would like to know more about the truth of the gospel or of gathering unto the name of the Lord Jesus Christ following New Testament principles, take a look at our Anchor Point website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the gathering center nearest you. Our Anchor Point messages are also available for listening and download at anchorpointradio.com. My name is Glenn Todd. Thank you once again for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that Christ alone is the anchor for the soul. <music>